Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Bassist Josiah Mori just had a baby, Levi James, and so he's back for the first time as a dad. There you go. I was glad to see him actually stay awake out here on the stage while he's playing his guitar. That's great. Um, it is a, it's a good season in the life of real life. If you're here for the first time this morning, I'm Jim. I'm your pastor. It's great to be with you. Uh, we're in the middle of a new series called Be Rich because God actually wants you to be rich. And I don't mean that in a kind of a seedy uh, way that uh, I'm not up here to say if you give money to the church, God will make you rich. Uh, not at all. God wants you to be uh, rich in love, rich in compassion, rich in freedom. So much so that not only are you not uh, obsessed with money by being greedy about it, you're not obsessed with money by worrying about it. God really wants you to have a rich life. Uh, and here at Real Life, I like the fact that we're experiencing rich life together. I mean, in some, in some real tangible ways. It's cool to see the things that are going on in the life of our church. So um, many of us are in small groups, a little group of uh, five or 10 adults who get together in somebody's living room once every week or two. And uh, we're, we're doing a curriculum together called Rooted, which is uh, sort of an immersive experience in Christian life. It's living out the Christian life together. Uh, and one of the things that you do in the middle of Rooted is to have an experience of serving together. So groups from our church are going to go out and work uh, and feed the homeless. You know, we're feeding uh, the homeless with the San Gabriel uh, Homeless Coalition coming up next month. We go and work with God's Pantry every month. Uh, we're going to go build a house in Mexico and May. Uh, and so I, I like the fact that you all are experiencing uh, the richness of life in Jesus, uh, in which uh, God gives us a meaning and purpose that takes us away from the distractions that just make us worry. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about this morning and want to talk about through the course of this series. God really does want us to have a rich life, and that's what we're going to look at today. Let's, uh, before we get into our study of the scriptures, let's take a minute and pray together. Um, pray for uh, somebody in uh, our congregation uh, who's been diagnosed with cancer and is uh, facing that. Uh, pray for healing, pray for miracles, uh, pray for guidance, all those good things. Uh, pray for... Um, Somebody whose uh, marriage is struggling, we, we all go through those things uh, in the world of, of married life from time to time, so pray for somebody who needs a special healing touch there. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you call us to real life, to abundant life, to rich life. And I thank you that in, in that you don't mean for us to be settled and comfortable. You mean for us to be active and moving in the world, experiencing the movements of your spirit and following where you will lead, opening ourselves to risk and adventure, uh, and leading us in new pathways. God, by your spirit, lead us this morning that we might know more of you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Let me show you a story in the Bible of somebody who actually lived a rich life. Uh, and I, I, I know this is the case about her because of the way she, uh, the way she 
did not care at all about her money. Open to Luke chapter 21. This is the story of the life of Jesus as told by first century disciple Luke. Luke 21 at verse 1. Uh, Luke records a, a moment uh, in the life of Jesus in which he is in the temple, probably on a Saturday morning. They gather for worship, and this is what he sees. As Jesus looked up, he saw, a, saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, when I read this story, I, I want to know the rest of the story. Because you know there's more to this, right? There's a, there's a backstory to how she got to where she is, and there's a story of what comes next after this. And we don't, we don't ever see it. We just get this little glimpse. And Jesus praises her for her act of faith. But I want to I know the rest of the story. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes you'll see somebody for, for just an instant, just a glimpse, and you know there's a whole story behind them, and you want to know what it is. Uh, I remember when I was uh, uh, in my first year at Princeton Seminary, they had this big uh, this dance every year at the beginning of the year to kind of celebrate the new uh, freshman class. Uh, we'd, be, we'd begin the year together, and uh, I remember there was this, it was a big party, and it was held in one of the lounges in the dorm, and painted on the floor was a big rat. They painted a big rat on the floor. And every year, somebody would come in and paint a new painting and it had, you know, symbolic significance tied to the year. And so it was called the rat dance that we had every year. We had the rat dance on the new, newly painted floor. And uh, so we're standing around at this party. And, you know, it's Princeton, so it's sort of a snooty New England thing. You know, it's, it's dressed down so you can wear your blue blazer without a tie. So, you know, it's one of those kinds of things. And we're all standing around. And I don't remember what we're talking about. Probably, you know, the use of the subjunctive tense of the verb. Something like that. We're, we're all standing around. And one of the, one of the new students goes... Streaking through the party. I mean, streaking. Like, you know, you interrupt the baseball game and they have to stop, you know, like a jaybird. Yeah. In a newborn baby kind of sense. Naked is what I'm saying. So, um, so he goes streaking through the party. And I remember thinking, now there's a whole story behind that. I kind of want to know that guy's story. There's a whole story of what's going on there. I don't want to go ask him. I want somebody else to go ask him and then come back and tell me what's going on there because there's a story there. Well, it turns out there was. So, so this guy had grown up in a fundamentalistic uh, family and church in Louisiana. Uh, he had never experienced freedom before. He had never experienced critical thinking before. He had been force-fed everything and told, do not get out of the rigid mold of what we have given you. And in his first experience of freedom, he went nuts he ended up dropping out of seminary. And I don't know what his story became after that. But I know there was some, some long narrative that, that flowed out of that experience. And I caught just a glimpse of it. <laughs> well, you get just a glimpse of this woman's story, right? You, you catch her for just an instant. She puts these two coins in the, in the offering plate. And Jesus says, look at that. Look at what she's doing. And then she's gone, and we don't hear the rest of the story. What do you think happened next? I don't think she went out on the temple steps and starved to death. I don't think she was on her way out of the building and just keeled over, and that was the end of it. I don't think that, that's how that went at all. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus sees the giving that we do in secret. If he sees what we do in secret, here he was. God in human form right there actually physically saw her do it. And you know he was a miracle worker. Do you think he just let her starve to death? That was the end of her story. She gave what she had and that was the end of it. 
I suspect this was the beginning of a much bigger and better story of what came next. I don't know her story, but I've caught glimpses of other people who have lived like this, and I know how their stories went. There's a very famous story about Mother Teresa when she first moved to Calcutta to work with the poor and the dying. And one of the first things she did on the, on the streets in Calcutta was to take what money she had and to give it away to the poor. She didn't begin with a, a big endowment that she had saved up. She began with nothing. Did she starve to death? I've seen this happen over and over again with, with lives of people that I know here in this room. Uh, I've told you a story about a woman in our church who came to a point where in order to pay her bills, she was gonna have to go take money out of her, her son's bank account, her, her high school son's bank account in order to pay her bills because she just didn't have enough any other way. And she didn't wanna take money out of her kid's account, but that was the only way she could pay off her bills. And she decided she, she, needed, you know, she needed to pay groceries, she needed to pay the utilities, and she decided she also wanted to give to the church. And, and I've told you before, your, your family is your responsibility. And God is not a legalist. Take care of your family first. Take care of the responsibilities that God has given you first. She decided she was going to go ahead and give to the church anyway. And she did. And when she went to her bank account, she found out that there was more money in her bank account than there had been to begin with. There was enough to pay all of her bills and then some. And what had apparently happened was that the law had chased down a runaway dad who hadn't paid child support in a long time and garnished his wages and put it in her bank. I've seen that happen over and over again. I've told you the story about a, a woman uh, uh, in the life of our church who many years ago, she was at another church. She came to this point in her life where she, she wanted to, to give to the church. She wanted to give charitably, but she wasn't gonna have enough money to make all, all, of, her, all, all, of, all the ends meet. Uh, she was a widow, and she went to the Social Security office to see how much she was going to get. And when they told her how much she was going to get, it really wasn't enough. But the, the Social Security agent, just as she started to walk away, said, now hold on a second. How much was your, your husband getting when he was still alive? Because you're actually entitled to the amount he was getting. And they checked, and they found out it was just enough to cover all of her needs. Um, I've told you the story about a, a woman in our church who many years ago in another church came to a place where she, she told me she had to choose between groceries for her family, the electric bill. She had five kids. She's a single mom, five kids. The electric bill or giving to church. And again, God's not a legalist. You're not earning your way into heaven. Take care of your family, okay? That's my message to you. She decided she was gonna give to her church, and she did. And the next day, she got a letter from the electric company that said, not only did we send you a mistaken bill, you don't owe us money, we owe you money. And, and over and over again, I've seen God take care of people when they act in faith. The, the story of this woman on, the, on the, the steps of the temple is probably not that she went outside and starved to death. That's just not, not how God plays. Uh, my wife and I have always sought to, to give uh, charitably, to give generously. We start with a tithe. The Bible says give 10% of your income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth. And we always try to do that. I think last, last year we hit 15%. We, we try to give beyond a tithe. We give to, to homeless ministries locally. We give to ministries in Mexico. We support a, a child in the Philippines through Compassion International. Because I honestly believe that if God wants me to have a rich life, he wants me to have a life filled with stories of acting in faith and watching what he does with that. And that's going to make me far happier than filling my house with stuff. The, the house filled with stuff rarely makes you happy. It often just gives you a lot of chores to do. But I think God wants to take what we have, and when we open our hands to him, use it to create great stories out of our lives. 
And I've watched him do that over and over again. I suspect that is how the story of this woman uh, went once she trusted in God and gave uh, what little she had. Let me ask you this. If you and I decide to give generously and sacrificially, do you think we're going to starve to death? If we do, that will be awesome. Because imagine the party they're going to throw in heaven when we get there, right? I mean, can you imagine you show up at the doors of heaven, St. Peter's there with his clipboard, right? Checking people off as they come in. I don't know if it works this way. Checking people off as they come in. And you, you come up and he looks and he goes, you're here a bit early. What happened? I starved to death because I gave too much to charity, right? <laughs> All right, show off. Come on in. That's, right? That's not how you get into heaven. But, but imagine, imagine the look on his face. Do you think we're going to starve to death by having open hands? Do you think we're going to starve to death by living charitable lives? I, I think when we live charitable lives, when we live gracious lives, God uses our lives to tell great stories to the world about what a generous God he is. We're not generous because we earn anything from it, and we're not generous because we want to be show-offs. We're generous because God is generous to us over and over and over again. And I honestly think God wants to do that in my life and yours today. As, as we open our hands and say, God, whatever you've put in my hands, it still belongs to you. Do with it what you want. I think God uses our lives to tell great stories about his goodness. Uh, listen to this passage in 1 John chapter 3. Look in your Bibles at 1 John chapter 3. This is a, a description of what happens when we give, when we see somebody in need and we respond in charity. 1 John chapter 3 at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. If I see somebody who's in need and I walk past them, God's love isn't in me. And I don't think that's John scolding me there. I think that's John just observing a fact. If I have somehow turned off the faucet of compassion in my heart so that I can walk by people with need and not be moved, there is not love motivating what I do. Um, I, I like the way the King James Bible uh, translates this. I don't, I don't favor the King James Bible with the old English and all the these and the thous and the wherefores. It's not somehow more sacred. It's just old. But, but um, sometimes I read it because it's interesting, interesting to see how different translators approach a text. And this is how King's, King James translates this text in 1 John chapter 3. But whoso, I don't have a deep enough voice to read the King James Version, right? But whoso hath this world's good, you know, whoever has the goods of this world, whoever's, whoever's rich, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and listen to this, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? I like the way King James says it because what King James says is if you see someone in need and you become financially constipated, you are full of something and it's not God's love, right? That's, that's the King James translation. But how true, how right. 
if I see someone in need and somehow I've learned to shut my heart down, I'm not being motivated by God's love anymore. So this is a good discipline for us. This is a good practice for us. When you see somebody in need, don't jump to the rationalizations that we use to insulate our greed. Don't jump to the rationalizations like, well, they'll probably just waste it if I give it to them anyway. They, they, they probably have gotten in that situation through bad decisions and they need, to, they need to learn to make good decisions. I don't want to create a welfare situation. I'm going to let them pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Don't use those rationalizations to write off people in need. Instead, motivated by compassion and with the freedom of open hands, learn to act on that impulse of compassion so that God's love will grow stronger in you. If you give to someone in need and it doesn't work the way it's supposed to, find a different way to care for people in need. If you give money to someone who's poor and they spend it on drugs, well, that's not the best way to help them, but don't stop helping them. Find another way to act out of compassion and love and care for people in desperate situations because as we do, God's love is made real in us. And as we open up our hands so that we're no longer anxious about what we get to hold onto and control, we live rich and free lives. God really does want you to be happy. God really does want you to be rich. God really does want you to be free, free from worry and anxiety and chasing after the things in this world that just exhaust you. God wants you to be blessed. And that comes through living with open hands and an open heart. And that's what God wants for all of us. That's the teaching of, of, the, of the scriptures. What if, what if Jesus had taken the mentality that many of us do when we see people in need and said, I'm not gonna go down to the earth because they'll probably waste it anyway. They'll probably just crucify me. And then half the world will ignore me. And those who say they believe in me won't really live it out. It's not worth it. Well, he would have been right. But his love for us was so overwhelming, he did it anyway, right? His love for you was so overwhelming that he will wait through your resistance. He will chase you through your running away. He will not let go of you when you have let go of him. His love for you is so great that the overflow of it is never a waste, God will do anything to have you know how much he loves you and he'll never stop. That's who our God is. That's who Jesus is. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be so overwhelmed by the love of God that you can't stop loving other people. That's the, that's the call of faith. I wanna give you an opportunity uh, to pour out compassion in a way we've never done this before. This is an experiment. We've never done this before. I've never asked you to do this before. Um, as you know, we've been down to Mexico many times to build uh, houses for families in need. We've worked on churches down there, built some churches, uh, and we're gonna build another house in May. Uh, there's a, a guy down there, a pastor who's a church planter. And less than 10 years ago, he set out to plant 50 churches. He was gonna build, literally build 50 new church buildings, install 50 new pastors in those churches, build houses for the pastors next to the church so they can live there while they work and plant 50 churches. I believe he's on 43 now, less than a decade. Uh, and, and so he's now changed the number from 50 to 500. <laughs> that's a visionary, I like that guy, right? That's a, that's a visionary. Um, 
we, we helped build, uh, I don't know, house number 36 or whatever it was, and we're going to go back and build another one in May. And, and literally, the houses down in Tijuana, if you've never been down there, some of them are plywood boards and pieces of cardboard and a garage door that they dragged along, all just kind of shoved together. They are, they are ramshackle. And I don't know what happens when it rains in those houses, but I know it's not comfortable. And, and we built a house on, on a site where, where the previous house had been, and literally all they did is knock the walls over. We literally built it in the middle of the four walls that were laying on the ground around it. It looked like the Wizard of Oz, like our house came and landed on the old house and knocked it over. By the time we were done, it was the nicest house on the block, right? Actually wired it for electricity. I, I was building houses in Mexico 20 years ago. We weren't, we weren't dealing with electrical back then. This one, this one had lights. Um, we're going to go down there and, and do this again. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do that I've never asked you to do before. We actually ran the numbers on this. If everybody who listens to this sermon today, everybody who sits in this room, everybody who watches online, everybody who listens to this sermon today gives $26.95, that will cover the whole project. Usually it costs uh, about $7,500 just to put the house together to make that work. And then we pay for our trip down there for a team of about you know, 15 or so people to go down there and build it. We can build the whole thing in three days. In one weekend, we can put this nice house together. Uh, we can do the whole thing, but if everybody listening today gives $26.95, the whole thing is covered. Let me challenge you to do that. I've never done this before. What I usually do is I stand up here and say, if you're visiting for the first time today, please feel under no obligation to give to our offering. We're just glad you're our guest. See, I've got the script memorized. I can just do it like that. And, and I mean that. I don't ever want you to feel pressured that way. This is going to be a cool project. You literally don't have to be a Christian to support it. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because it's a cool thing to do. And when we're done, every single one of us can say, I helped build that house. Right? You might have to skip a couple lattes in the next couple weeks, right? You might not, might not eat out once this month. But it'd be totally worth doing. And when we're done, we've all contributed to building this house for somebody in need down in Mexico. Last time we were down there, uh, it was a, a young husband and wife and their baby, and we gathered around, and we put the two things in their hands. We put the keys to the house in their hands and a Bible, and we prayed together. I want you to help build this house in May, okay? Um, if, you, if you give by check, just write Mexico on the, on the memo line or put it in an envelope. I think we've got envelopes in the lobby if you need. Write Mexico on it. If you go to our website or to our app, uh, there's a drop-down menu on the giving page, and there's something that says Mexico House, right? You can give right there. It all goes to this Mexico project. It's not running, running the copy machine at real life. This is all going to our Mexico House. Um, if you want our app, because that's a good way to do things like that and do sermon notes and things like that, uh, send a text to 77977, and in the, the text of the app, write R-L-L-A, give, right? Real life Los Angeles, R-L-L-A, give. Send that to 77977, and you'll get a text back that'll allow you to download our free app, and you can do it that way. Um, let's do this together. Uh, this will be fun to do, and it's good for our hearts, and it's not, it's not a big sacrifice, $26.95, to open our hands and say, hey, I just want to take part in giving. I just, want to, I just want to take part in building a house for a family I might never meet, right? I might never see them eye to eye, maybe on the other side, right? Maybe at the gates, we'll see them. But I, 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 just want, I just want to open my hands and I want to let God put in my hands the resources that I need to live, the resources that I need to give. And 
compassion that looks like his compassion. Okay? I think that's what God wants to do with all of us. I think God wants us to have hearts that are willing to sacrifice uh, and not to come up with explanations for why we're not going to do it. Um, for those of us who are committed to Jesus and who've been following Jesus for a long time, the challenge is a bigger one. Let me challenge you to tithing. Let me challenge you each year to giving 10% of your income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth. It, it's, it's truly saying, God, it's all yours anyway. I might as well trust that you know what you're doing with it. Um, what good would it do us to show up at the gates of heaven in the end? And understand, giving has nothing to do with whether you get into heaven. It has nothing to do with how much God loves you. Nothing will compromise how much God loves you. But to get up to the gates of heaven in the end and look back over our lives and go, I could have lived a better story. I could have lived the kind of story that made people go, hey, look at that person. I bet there's a story behind that person's life. Look at that generosity. I bet there's a story there. I wish I knew more of their story. I want to live that kind of life. And I want, I want you to have that kind of life because that's a rich life. So let's again practice the discipline of praying with open hands. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you give to us uh, all that we need and more. And I thank you that when we act in faith, you, you see our faith and you're, you're proud of us. So God, put in our hearts a deep and overwhelming compassion and put in our hands the resources that we need to care for those around us. And may we cross the paths of people who are in deep need so that you can use us to bring glory to yourself. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.